Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast. We are back by popular demand. And by that, I mean one person on Twitter asked if we were going to do a podcast. <laughs> Hi, Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, never mind. Yeah, that, that counts to me as being back by popular demand. Um, we're going to talk about the, the takeover and the current situation. Um, not that there's much of a current situation. I'll apologise straight away for any background noise. It's not going to be lawnmowers and stuff, obviously. It's not that type of year. <laughs> But I normally sit and see, and, and, and that wasn't my kid. I was just, just putting that out there straight away. <laughs> my kid. Because I mean, everybody knows I've got millions I mean, of kids, got loads, but that was somebody so. else's kid. Um, you, might, you, <laughs> you might hear it from one of my kids, because I normally go to the conservatory, but it's absolutely freezing in there, and you've got no chance. Um, so I'm in the kitchen, and I've told them to stay out, but they are children. So who knows what's going to happen. We're until you four at the end of the day, aren't we? So... We're all on top of each other. Well, well, well. Does anybody want to um, provide some historical context in case somebody's listening back to this in twenty or thirty years to just on, let, let, let everyone know but where we are as a society and as a Sunderland fan? Basically, the world's fucked <laughs> <laughs> for a bit, <laughs> just for until a bit, March. Yeah. yeah. When I say somebody might be listening in 20, 30 years, I mean aliens who have come down <laughs> to pick off the last of the resources. Can you imagine how sad race. you'd be if you like went back 20, 30 years to listen to this? I don't think it's going to be time-capsuled, is it? Hey, you never know. Depends Depends how good our new new owner turns out to be. You'll be you never know. In well, that time. Put us all in time-capsules. We should mention the... Filtering through everything. Think about when we've, when we've won 10 Champions Leagues in a row. I might go back and have a have a look at how it all began. Yeah, don't know there'll be something so. else then. <laughs> well, if anybody is, is listening in 20, 30 years, yeah. they're, they're, they're going to think that the, the introduction's a mess because like, no, nobody's been introduced. There's not been a proper introduction. This is just the way podcasts were done then, really. It was just a bit of a free-for-all. I don't know how polished they are in the future. Although we were really polished. Well, me, back in the Sun FM, into the light days, we were really polished then. You have What will happen is you have a microchip in your head, right? And influencers will have microchips, and if you want their thoughts on things, you, like, connect to their microchip, and you can subscribe, and then... You'll be able to like absorb all of their thoughts in every situation in, into your microchip. That's my prediction. Wow. Stephen's really upset about that. <laughs> or, or, or a child has entered the room. He's left. <laughs> Stephen's walked out. I was just about to wish Stephen um, a happy birthday for tomorrow. Because well, I've just literally said them five minutes ago. Can you please try and stay out? And then that Come was in. five five minutes in. Five minutes yeah, in. I think a conga was a little bit. Elaborate of them, you know, in terms of breaking it, but you know, fair play to them for for trolling you. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was just wishing you a happy birthday, Stephen, for the first of January, Stephen's birthday. Easy, yes. to, easy to remember. Um, but he's forty years old. Would you believe it? Mm. What a you know, shocking. You're still sort of eighteen in your head, aren't you? Like everybody is, I think. <laughs> Born a month after John Lennon died. There's nothing in your head, Stephen. That would, you know, let's be brutally honest, on top or inside. Um, but you know, happy mm. birthday! Thanks very much. And what a great year to turn, to have a landmark birthday. I'll be celebrating it by doing nothing. Right. <laughs> anyway, 
So, shall I introduce people? Who, shall I yeah. introduce who's well, Richard's on? here and he looks like he's losing the will to live again. So. I hope there's no first time listener here because they'll just not have a they'll not have a clue what's going on. Who are all these voices? No introduction. Um, so joining myself, Stephen Gorsworth, is Gareth Barker as always, Chris Weatherspoon, Richard Easterbrook, because I'm not sure if you've said anything yet, Richard, although the rest of us bit. have spoken, so have you? It's fine. Okay. <laughs> he looks that really, really furious. <laughs> we were supposed to start this 40 minutes ago, and Richard, I think, was in his head where we'd all be done and wrapped up by now. Yeah, so it's dragged on, a bit like the takeover. Dragged yes. on and on and on. That's a segue. How's that for a segue? Seamless. He changed halfway through as well, like Richard. I mean, he whipped his top <laughs> off and um, put a different T-shirt on in this conversation, so that's quite similar <laughs> as well. <laughs> Do we go straight into the takeover stuff and before we talk? There's not much football to talk yeah. about because COVID's cancelled everything again, uh, well, at, at League One level anyway. But um, we'll get we'll get mucked into the takeover. That's what people want to hear about, isn't it? Um, right. So... Positive, firstly, because we, we, we need to just be, you know, be clear that we are really happy about this. Not, re- you know, it would be better if certain people weren't still around, which we'll get on now. But generally, as long as this new guy has a percentage that indicates he's in charge, he calls the shots, that's all we wanted. And that wasn't always the case, let's be honest, was it? Chris. <laughs> Everyone's, I mean, I was gonna say, the flaw no, 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 no. is very much yours. I mean, if well, there's no, ever Steve, been a flaw that is for Steve, anybody, it's this. Stephen always makes a point of never queuing anyone rolling up, out of the verbal tell. red carpet. <laughs> yeah. <It> was, <laughs> um, no, yes, correct, Stephen. Um, yeah, no, I think um, compared to, I think we were all a little, not not all fans, but I think like as our, our little group, we were a bit underwhelmed when the news kind of broke in the middle of November. Um, I was going to say the initial, the initial news, not... Yeah, the, not this, sorry, yeah. yes. So, yeah, yeah. In the, it, the initial news, we were a little bit underwhelmed, um, primarily because it, it it kind of stunk of, like, this guy coming in, kind of propping the current lot up. And, um, I mean, they, they tried to put it up as, like, a, a consortium of him and Satori, and I think quite a lot of people immediately saw through that and thought, well, hang on. Actually, it just means the current three you're going to retain something like 60, I think it was 62% it was going to be the club. So, so yeah, when the news came out on um, on Christmas Eve, I think it's a big positive. I think, look, it's, like you say, it would be nice if um, a certain trio were gone for good, but I don't think that's the way the world the, the world works. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he's going to have a majority. It, I think it was interesting the the... The statement that they put out, it was um, it was it was pretty amicable, and I think some people might have looked at that and thought, oh well, hang on, what is is this a change? And I think what we need to remember is really until the deal is officially kind of done, until he passes the EFL checks, which he will, there won't be a yeah. problem with that. That's not gonna. It's, don't you just have to prove how much money you've got, don't you? And if Donald, if let's let's be frank. If Stuart Donald's passed that, then he's not going to fail it, is <laughs> well, he? Well, let, let's be brutally honest. The only reason it took so long when they came in is because of the way they were buying the club. So um, I don't think there's going to be any issue with um, Kevin Louis-Dreyfus. And I think, yeah, and I, I think it's amicable to then up until that point. But I, I would like to think once, once he's in the driving seat, so to speak, we will see some changes. I think we've already seen some changes. I think, um, I do think the club potentially ran before they walked a bit with Speakman and Johnson coming in but um, 
I'm certainly not expecting them to be going anywhere. I think they've they've certainly been devil's advocate on that. People would say, well, it's been prepared and it's not waiting. It's been proactive and it's not waiting for. Well, yeah, you know, exactly. if, if you have the ability to do that, then why not do that? I wouldn't well, criticise him for that. I, th- I think um, no, no, that's what I mean. I think like the, I think the the desire was always there to do the deal. I think the deal was going to be done in a manner that quite a few of us and quite a few other people were a bit sceptical of. And let, let's be fair here. Like I, I certainly was was concerned that he was kind of being hoodwinked. Um, because we all we all know about certain individuals at the top of the club, who and they uh, they can be smooth tongued when they want to be, and I think that was that was a concern, especially looking young. We don't know, or we didn't know anything about him. Could have been very impressionable, and I think actually the fact that the deal has changed, the fact that the deal did come very close to falling apart, and the fact that he has ultimately managed to get control, I think that's a big positive, and I think it it speaks to the fact that actually. Um, Maybe, maybe, maybe he knows more than myself and possibly others gave him credit for when that when that report first came out back in November. And I think, I think January will be interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see what changes, whether certain individuals disappear for good or not. But I think based on what we know so far, I think it's I think it's a big positive. It's been a really really bleak time, and I think we're all sick. We we've said it before. We're all sick of talking about this sort of stuff, and hopefully. Maybe after by the end of January, we don't really need to look and talk about like structure and who's running this and who's doing that because the primary focus once again becomes what happens on the pitch. And I think, yeah, I think it was music to everyone's ears, not not least because we we don't have to say like oh it's just a rumor, like our oh, people are making this up, somebody's making that up. Where's this come from? Like it has the deals, the deals being inked now. The EFL shouldn't be a problem. And okay, it's not hundred percent, which is what people might have wanted, but to my mind, it, it very much reads like it's it's this guy's venture. It's not him and Satori, and and it's gonna be it's gonna fall on him, and we can now hopefully get back to at least having an ownership where we feel like um, their best interests are the best interests of the football club. He doesn't need to make money. Um, the, he he doesn't need to worry too much about money he's got he's got plenty but that's not the see he should just go throw it around but I think a lot of the problems of the last two and a half years have been money related and they yeah. should go you're not, you're, not, you're not concerned that all the youth kids are going to get sold off the buttons now um, we've got none which... left so <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and, and I think you know the, the new I, I would love to just know whose idea this director of football was and where I come from and that stuff um, a couple of things just, just before we start you know Speaking about what we want from from the new owners, uh, from the new guy coming in, and he said owners plural, it's not, it's just one guy um, coming in, um, and what we want from him and speculating him. Uh, I want I want to talk about the the statement and mention something in that. I have just noticed, by the way, and I've just taken a, a photo of our our sort of Google Meets situation because I've noticed that Gareth's got the biggest radiator in the world biggest behind him. Man. That's what I'm getting at. I don't know know if anyone's noticed that. Maybe it's just the the angle, but I've never seen a radiator so small. I'm going to tweet it out so people can hear it. It's it's only a small room, Stephen. I know, but like, 
But Jesus, it's like oh well, you know, it's like, it's like a borrower's radiator. You conserve, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh I've no, you're not in there. What kind of radiator got in there? It it has got a radiator in there. Actually, oh, well, it must be shite then, mustn't it? No, no, no. It's, it's windows. Let's slagging not do this. I wasn't slagging it off. Richard's showing us his his radiator now, which is also quite visual medium, but. No, now, because not. because you've made me, I've clicked on Gareth. Now I can't see. You know how normally it changes to her speaking. I can now only see Gareth in his radiator. Well, <laughs> never mind. Let's not go to my radiator because we will lose. We will. We will lose the listeners entirely. Um, a couple of things that were interesting in, in in the statement. They've clearly, you know, mentioned the historical context. So. Because there's been speculation, and, and from us as much as anybody, happy to say that about the, uh, you know, how valid, and th- th- this was in terms of going back to the summer when when the club said they had they were in a period of exclusivity with somebody, and I think they made a point, didn't they, in the statement um, in the quotes from the new guy to say, thanks for your patience over the last three months, kind of thing. That was them clearly saying. This is what we were told about three months ago, which might, whether it was or whether, you know, whether it is or whether it is that or wasn't fair, fair enough for them to say that. I think they've got the within the rights to say that. What I'm interested in is the fact he said it's public knowledge I turned down a higher bid. Yeah. You know Who's what that? that is? So, well, no, well, do we? Because they have previously, they have previously dismissed anything and everything to do with, um, can't even remember his name now. William What's a guy? William Story and um yeah, and his sort of public very bizarre public public um Yeah, but these people couldn't lie straight in bed. So let's let's be fair. Like they, <laughs> it, that was just we the the thing the statement I thought the statement from Kieran Louis Dreyfus was quite good. I thought I thought the one from Donald was just your typical kind of rewrite history, let, let's let's manipulate things to make them sound better than what they are. I think this let's let's be honest here, we all know for a fact Anybody could have offered, with a legitimate offer, could have whoever if there was a legitimate higher bid, it would have gone to them. That's why that's why they tried to sell the Mark Campbell not once but twice because yeah. he was saying you had like fifty million on the table and this that and the other. And if, I I genuinely think they're, they're alluding to story there because he's been going out oh, offered forty five million quid. This but it contradicts. A con- they've always dismissed everything to do with them. So the so they're saying it's public knowledge we've turned down a higher bid. So what yeah, what is it? You know, they, con- they contradict each other every time they get out of bed. Like literally, like <laughs> like we've literally got countless examples of like um, Charlie Methuen saying one thing and Stuart Don saying another. So like I think I know I know what your point is, but I think gen- I generally think that's who they're alluding to. And yeah, I think it- I just think it was curious. I just think it was curious why that was in there. I mean, I know why it was in there. It was in there to try and suggest, like you said, that you know, no, no, I've got, I'm thinking about you, and this is the best thing, obviously. But um, I just wondered if it was a story they were talking about because that's been the only public figure relating to a bid for Sunderland. So I'm guessing it is that. Um, oh. Oh, yeah. That's a cat, you know, right in the microphone that was as well. You haven't had the cat yet, I wish to. Chris, are you out. pouring a pint? It's a black cat. I'm pouring a pint, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, got a, Chris got a beer pump for Christmas, everyone. Yeah, se- se- this is seven days in a row, I'm going to go for a full 365. What kind of, what, what's the machine? Is it a Krups one or something? Is nah, it? it's, not, it's not one of them, it's called Physics or something. Um, and it's a, it's nifty like. I've I mean, heard mixed reports on the beer pumps like. 
Oh, it's, it's good, like. Otherwise, Sorry, it you're going to... If you've brought it upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm recording just, the podcast. Um, I'm just vehicle. taking the beep out of the kitchen, darling. Put it in the, uh, in the spare room. Celebrate See you in three days. Yeah. Do you have to take that in that room with you, do you? You're only doing a podcast for half an hour. Well, no, I'm, I'm taking it. I'm taking it with us. The preamble was half an hour, Stephen. Oh, Chris, 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 I've been sat up here for an hour now. We've been recording for 18 minutes. Chris will, here an hour. Chris will never be able to have a can of get. He's going to take that at house parties with that, him, that, isn't it? That is he's going to turn exactly. his he's going to turn his nose up at cans from this moment <laughs> forward. Hashtag cans. <laughs> I'm going to know. I need a tip machine where it turns my can into a draft. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even denying it. <laughs> Well, there you go. I've totally lost off where we were yeah. now. Um, Why don't what, you talk, Richard? Because I feel I, think, well, I feel I like if what, you don't talk soon, you might jump out the window. You've got to be, you've got to be more assertive, Richard. I'm yeah. afraid in these I situations. I haven't said anything. Yeah, I haven't given the, an opinion on anything yeah. apart from um, Stephen's head and Chris's beer pump. I think you know. You know what I, I think is interesting. Did anybody see? Um, so there were the only other quotes that I can see on this, apart from the official. Um, through the official club channels um, from Louis Dreyfus was um, he spoke and I, I can't remember the the publication but it's some Keep European was it Lequeep was it was it right okay um, where he then um, hinted at a big factor of of him being interested in Sunderland was obviously the fan base because he said you know you can't he said you can't buy that was the the phrase he used in terms of Sunderland getting thirty thousand fans in League One when and and more and he gave the percentage of the Premier League that got less. What is really really ironic is that that is a clear indication of how much the current or the previous lot if we'll call them that use the fan base to try and sell Sunderland while at the same time telling us that we are preventing the club from being sold and slagging them off at every opportunity. And it clearly, it's a big, big selling point, isn't it? Obviously. I just thought that was interesting. You just think... I just think they've got... I think you, it's just the nerve of it. It's the nerve to, to tell Sunderland fans that they are preventing the sale when at the same time they're going to prospective buy saying, oh, fans are amazing here. But I think Do you know it, what I mean? It just it just shows them up, doesn't it? It, really? it shows them up for, for on a number of layers, and you know we we've had. I remember, you know, when we were bidding for the for the uh, World Cup, and one of the the footage was all from a Sunderland game, I believe, for for one of the. I think it was, it was a Sunderland Arsenal game um, that they used um, when they were compiling the the video. Um, you know, there's, it's not just in Sunderland, where people have a, a level of respect for, you know, the the supporters who, who go to the games, and I think the the whole reason, you know, well, the probably one of the main reasons why they they they're exiting consortium, you know, of Donald and Co. and probably. Bought something in the first place probably was because of the, the 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 fans and the new that, but from a different perspective in that you know we've got this, we've got an opportunity to. I don't want to say manipulate because that seems, even a, a bit harsh because maybe their intentions initially weren't fully that, um, but obviously once the mask slips that's it you you can't go back but, there's an opportunity there to use, the fan base and. Or a quarter time, and I know, like some people have said, you know, we 
we were in cahoots with the owners or whatever. But there was a time, you know, we had spoken to them a few times, and I remember speaking to, to Mr. Methven once about support. Well, it, we met him in literally before a game. Um, it was a Barnsley game where we won 4-2 and I remember he had someone with him from a, another publication and he was going on about the reach of fan media in Sunderland and it was this whole, it seemed like they were almost obsessed with that, like the 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 volume of supporters, the reach that the supporters have, you know, the, the, the voices that supporters have got at Sunderland, it almost seemed like you know, it was a, a double edged sword for them in that like, yeah, we can use we can use these supporters to to sell the club faster. Um which they try to do, obviously. Um get the word out that like you said, Chris, the these supporters are an asset. But then when it all goes wrong, obviously, that other side of the sword comes in and it's you know, well, we 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 the problem and let's be honest, you know, they, it's a, they it's, wouldn't have bought it. They wouldn't no, have bought no. it in the first place if it wasn't for the fan base. No. Why they would they wouldn't have got, they would have got nowhere near it. Like we all know that they're putting nowhere near as much in as they claimed they were gonna. But even if they're in for what well, I think it's about sixty million quid, they, they wouldn't have paid that for any other club. They wouldn't have, because no. the only reason the only reason this club is is worth something in this division is because of the because of the fan base. The only reason we've got a massive stadium is because eventually one day we'll fill it again. <laughs> Because that like and and I think Stephen, you bang on. Like the 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 really infuriating thing is they've kind of used that to their advantage, and then whenever something's gone wrong, they've tried to turn around and blame us for it. Like the let let's be honest here, right? Like we've there's been takeovers in the past where it's all fallen to bits. Now the fact that this one's gone through and what uh. Louis Dreyfus said to the keep, it's testament to the fact that he obviously looks and thinks, you know what, if I get this right here, this could be amazing. Like, there's massive potential here. And he's the club's in a far worse state than it was two years ago when when this lock bought it. Far, no, no, far no, no, worse. no. You don't even, no, even have to get it absolutely right. You just have to get it a little bit right. Gosh, no, no club I mean. in no club of sort of so who do you th- when you think of Sunderland, right, and you think of like potential and who they are and all that stuff and you think lots of clubs similar aren't them you know Villa Leeds I sort of say that sort of like level really is is where Sunderland is in terms of fan base and reputation yeah. and stuff like that and nobody who knows about football and this guy does because he was brought up in a football or you know a family nobody but nobody thinks that you're going to take over a fan a club with a fan base like that and that they aren't going to you know they aren't going to be vocal and loud about certain things at certain times. That's it's fine. not realistic. You, you're not you're not a tiny you're not a tiny little you know village club where everybody's yeah. like joining hands and singing even though you lose ten nil. It's not realistic. The, it's part of the appeal. Like the the fact like the thing is if if people are being vocal and people are criticising, it's because they've got the best interests of the club at heart. The flip side of that is if you get it right. You're gonna absolutely adore it. Like let's let's be let's be brutally honest here. The the welcome that the last owners well, the currently still still the majority owners until this all gets sorted with the AFL, but the the welcome that they got two and a half years ago was like more kind of like like um 
they were fawned over far more than any other man, uh, ownership in my lifetime. Yeah. Even even when Drummerville came in, they didn't get that sort of acclaim. The Drummerville came in, and you've got to think it, it started out like a damp squib. Like the, it started out terribly. Like Quinn was managing that. The gates were down. It was only when Keane came in that that really started picking up. The, these guys, they, they, they knew what they were doing. And to be fair, I, I, I do agree, actually. I don't think it was, certainly on one of them's behalf, I don't think it was as underhand at first as it's transpired to be. I don't think that was always the intention. I think they did genuinely have, think they could just get us promoted and go. Yeah, uh, and, enjoy, and enjoy the ride. As football much, yeah. fans, yeah, but they, which, which, they yeah. were given, they were given unbelievable support. Anyone, let, let's be honest, even after the first season, anyone who spoke out against them was vilified by them, but also by by fellow fans. Let's be fair, and they stoked that they did stoke that, and that that's shameful. But they were given incredible support. So, for them to suggest that like fans have stopped the takeover and driven people away, it's just, it's just total bollocks. And I think it's the thing is. The, Kind of touched on it there about like the the distance between the Guardian report and the deal going through. I think it was about six weeks. Now, in that six weeks, it's not like first of all we know the deals changed fundamentally anyway, but second of all, it seems pretty clear to me that Kirillou Dreyfus will have been learning as much as he possibly can about the club, about its fans, about like the the wider situation regarding this. So he's only going to know more about us now and more about the expectation and the fact he. The fact that rather than walk away, he's gone. Well, actually, I want to control this whole thing. I want to do it. I want to do it myself. Like, that just shows that look, the fans have never been the problem here. Let's let's be let's be brutally honest. We've got twelve thousand season ticket holders who bought season tickets, knowing full well it was very unlikely they were going to get to see a lot of football. That's propped. That's propped these guys up. That has helped these guys stay around longer. So I think yeah. It's. I think it's a good point to bring up, but I think we all know that it's just it's total bollocks to ever suggest that the fans are anything but a but a positive for the club. I agree, Richard. Would you like to say something? <laughs> are you awake? <laughs> well, yes, yes, I am awake. Um, the the point I was going to make uh, is that the fans are, are always going to be a little bit reluctant when when a new owner comes in. If you look at the last four owners of the club. Including Louis Dreyfus, it it's it's out of the, the out of three times it it hasn't ended well. There's only the Drummerville succession to Ellis Short that that was kind of relatively positive. Everything else has been bad owner or kind of bad times around the club straight into 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 good times. So so yeah, we were relieved when 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 the three Musketeers came in like two years ago, but obviously it didn't didn't end well. Um. So the you know the fan the fans are the currency at this level the fans are the are the unique selling point of the club. Um, we're always you know the, the the sheer numbers of us means that we're going to support pretty vociferously, but there's going to be a huge amount of people that aren't very happy as well. So and you're always going to ask questions as yeah, well. Like you know, I'm I'm sorry. Let's not get it twisted. You know the you know we wanted this to happen more or as, certainly as much as anybody else. Um, I yeah I've been. Watching Sunderland since I was six year old. Actually, last time we were in the third division was the first time I watched them. Grew up in Sunderland, and you know, I want more of this club than than anybody who's ever owned Sunderland does. So, so let's just get that straight. But because, as Chris said, there the amount of adulation that the 
the Charlie and Stewart got one they came in from from us included to an extent I think um, no we did because it was different we, we, exactly but, 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 so that, but that just that so justifies so what good. happened but what happened yeah. though that just that justifies you can ask questions you're going to challenge it of course you are. you're not going to just you know there's nothing wrong with that there's absolutely nothing wrong with asking questions at all we, 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 need, we need to learn from the last well a big worry yeah. a worrying symbol a worrying point for me would be if if next month Wiseman, Sia or Rotor Report or Love Supreme or SCFC Fan TV or any one of them get a phone call from the club or someone else and say don't think it'll be us Chris I'll be honest <laughs> or the, the, somebody, you know somebody contacts me directly um, and says what the police <laughs> not again um, and says Kirill Lewis wants to come on the podcast Kirill Lewis wants to do an interview with you or something like that because Look, I get why we all know. We know why we did it. We know why other outlets have done it. But now we've seen that there isn't. There's an ulterior motive to it. There's a motive because it's it's buttering people up, and it and it's trying to ensure that when things do go south, people give you give you a bit more bit more time, bit more bit more help, sort of thing. Like the fact of the matter is, the best thing that anyone coming into this football club now can do is just get on with the job. Be honest, like do, talk through the club, talk through the official channels, but don't don't leak news to fanzines because that compromises their objectivity. Don't be like, don't be trying to create an us against them mentality against agents or players or youth players or whatever. Just get on and do the job. Essentially, stop talking and just get it done. Like I think Speakman and Johnson, they've done stuff with the club, and I I actually thought the the podcast that they've done with their uh, with Frankie and Danny, I, I listened to both of them this week. Finally got around to it, and they, they speak really well. But until we see some action, yeah. the, it's all it's all just noise. Like people, at the end of the day, let's let's be fair here. No matter how these guys bought the club, if we were currently in the playoffs in the championship, very few people would be would be. I'd still be whinging on because I can't help myself. But a lot of people would say, "Well, it's going okay on the pitch. We can." We can get we can get we can get on with that. Now obviously the reason it hasn't gone well on the pitch is, is all linked to that. But the fact of the matter is we support a football team. We want to see the football team do well. Get that right and all the rest falls into place. I think on the on the point that you made though about the whole you know, I think that's been one of the big discussion points and that was I think going back to the original discussion around how previous ownership the, the, the previous ownership if you want to call them that again that used fan outlets um to further themselves um and to 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 garner that sort of you know positivity from supporters um you know now in 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 the cold light of day the, it was opportunistic and you know it it it's compromised lots of people and made a lot of people you know across the board look Look silly, and you know, really, those ownership, the ownership group had a duty of care to the supporters, really, not not to do that to them, but they they probably didn't care to a point. Um, I would say previously, like now, we've obviously the club with the the route put now with the with the pod with Frankie and, and Danny and all that, they probably don't need to engage with supporters, but there is a like through through the, those channels, but there is a way to do it. Um, you know, the, there is a the right. There's a right way to do it, and you know, there's there's no reason why 
you know, like other pods, I know you see from other clubs, so the owner might go on at the end of the season once a year, or like Anfield Rap have had like people on from the club and stuff. There's a way there's a way to do it and there's a way to do it and the way to do it is that way the way to do it isn't to say we're gonna funnel we're gonna funnel all of our information through these people and and ignore everybody else. And this this goes back to when we you know when when um we wanted to do the live podcast with Chris Coleman and the club agreed to it and stuff. And all we wanted to do was speak to Chris Coleman about football because he comes across as a really insightful guy who really knows his football. And that's that's what we're about personally as a podcast generally. And that's all we wanted. And and, and Martin Bain demanded that he was going to come on it. Yeah, and almost to like to control the information and all this stuff about, you know, and, and, and the one thing that the current lot did when they came in, I think open up access is great personally, but we never wanted them really to come. We never asked them to come on our no, podcast. We we the only we asked for Jack Ross, you know, because uh, and stuff like that is great because we want to talk to Jack Ross about football, and 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 that's that's the thing really. And opening access up like that when it comes to controlling a message about the in the runnings and the ins and outs of the club, really. Partly, that's not something is is our business in a way, but you know, use the official challenge if you're going to do that. You spot on, though. To be fair, because when if you think about it now, if we if we go back and look look at the date of when um, the owners have appeared on certain podcasts and that, <clears throat> okay, at the start they were doing like one a month kind of thing, but um, let let's be fair here. When back in I think it was May 2019 that Daily Mail article came out just before the playoff final, which, okay, yeah, like, I, I I, think I can see why a lot of fans turned around and said, oh, you're just trying to disrupt us before the playoff final. But the, the article came out and discussed the way that they, they bought the club and within a week they were on a, a supporters podcast slagging off not only the, the Daily Mail but also fans, myself included. And you look and think, well... By yeah. Yeah, there's, only, there's only one podcast getting slag you off, Chris, and that's <laughs> exactly. And um, you can sleep safely in your cot knowing <laughs> that we will be the ones who will slag but, you off. But but that that's that's kind of like the the thing is that happened, and you look back at it now, and it's so blatantly like what you've just said there, Stephen. It's so blatantly trying to control the message. Let let's be let's be honest again here. The reason it went south. The, the moment it went south with Robert Report and Stuart Donald was when he contacted them after telling Gareth that he wasn't doing, he wasn't speaking to podcasts anymore, he was going to go through the Ren White Army, that was the only channel, and Gareth said, okay, that, that's fine, that's probably sensible. And then he reached out to Robert Report and wanted to do a podcast with them. And fair play to them for, for no, no, telling yeah, them to get, no, no, and you know, it's pissed good, off as well. It's, it's good that they did that, because it, but it, was, it was quite blatant that they were trying to control the message. And what they were trying to do, and what, unfortunately, they were successful at doing for, I would say, a year and a half, was pitching fans against one another. He's gone. Oh, I'm still here. <laughs> it's still, it's still recording. It's still <laughs> um, But they, were, they, they managed to pitch fans against one another. And, 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 it's, and it's shameful. And I think, ultimately, like, Stephen, you said it there, um, like no, it doesn't matter who the owner is, unless we unless we find a lifelong Sunderland fan 
who manages to take over this club, which it's not going to happen. Um, no one is going to love the club more than the people who follow it week in, week out. So ultimately, like, I think I think we just we all and I include ourselves in this. We all have to be wary. Like it, I I think it is it, it it's really hopeful what happened on Christmas Eve and, but Christmas Day Eve, Christmas Eve, and Christmas I, Eve, and it kind just, of is Christmas Day Eve in a way. I guess. Well, no, it literally is Christmas Day Eve, but you you just call it Christmas Eve. You don't have to call it Christmas Day Eve. <laughs> I think I think it's, you've stumped them. You've stumped them. You've done me. You've stumped them. Finished. Um, Maybe no, they all, were right. That's about all Stuart Donnelly to say. It's all Stuart Donnelly to ask. What do you call the day before Christmas Day? <laughs> and it would have would have that done him in. And game over. As we record no. on New Year's Day. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think um, yeah, no one. <clears throat> we all we all want the best for the club. We all want um, we all want to believe that something good is happening and I, and I just think I think it, it is a moment to be hopeful but I, I think we also will have to be wary of rushing into things and getting like head over heels again now everything we've all right Chris so you haven't just been divorced <laughs> <laughs> but it does feel like I that prob- I probably will be if, but actually I, I haven't managed to get married this year so um, yeah you had a few goals like, right, like, just, just kind of like it's kind of that. like getting divorced to somebody and then that partner's still owning your house maybe <laughs> yeah <laughs> but so you can't go and break the windows basically <laughs> yeah we're not advocating breaking the, any windows yeah. I'm not sure that analogy even worked podcast. but I got a laugh out of it anyway so I'm going to say I did um what are you feeling on the on on Louis Dreyfus initially? Mind well, that some, he kind of the vibe I'm getting from him is that you know, like in eighties films, <clears throat> he's kind of feels like a cool kid from an eighties film. That's kind of like uh, like from a John Hughes film or something. Maybe like a ski resort type movie where but he's he is, like a rich he is kid currently sort skiing. Of thing. Oh well, there you go. Perfect. So you've done, you've is. done very well. There. Yeah, there he is. He's a you know, that's what's that's what's going to happen. <clears throat> so Where's that's, that's my with? view. Sorry. I <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, if you're listening, um, Kirill, you, you can get a uh, lovely, get your ski on at the um, artificial slope and then pop to Sainsbury's afterwards um, and maybe the range. Maybe you'll invest. Maybe you'll invest in the ski slope. And that's what the community, the work in the community was going to be. We, actually, they were going to, and Richard might remember this more, because he's probably working as a journalist at the time, but wasn't there going to be a the UK's biggest indoor ski slope next to the Stadium of Light? Wasn't that the Echo? Would definitely. I know you didn't work for the Echo, but wasn't it some kind of like Snowland? Wasn't it like they've got? Yeah, it was going to be the biggest in the country. <laughs> yeah. and that was, Land. Is that a was a goal, and that was going to be next to the Stadium of Light, and that was all done and dusted. Apparently, maybe I'll show me edge. Again, was no, it with the was... AFL though? That's the main thing. Because if, if it was, if the if you all thought it was going to Snowland was going to happen, and it was with the AFL, and it didn't the, go through. They moved it somewhere it. else. It's somewhere else. You can see from the motorway. I think isn't he? I can't remember where it is now. Uh, or like the escape, is it? Like in like yeah. Sheffield like or Yorkshire, Manchester? Near Sheffield, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think it went there. <laughs> that was it's massive. That there's no way you could have that next to the stadium. Like it's huge. Wow. There's wow. a big there's a big river next to the stadium. Like. <laughs> Like, before the hotel, there's a lot of land there. there. There's a lot of land there, Gareth. And uh, Kirill's gonna build loads of hotels there, <laughs> and a big ski slope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not sure where we've got again. Does anybody have like? Uh, 
what what's going to be significant is if he brings somebody in. I think to I to think to to, to, be... to run the club because you can say what you like, and no new owner is gonna is gonna come in buy Sunderland <clears throat> and say, well, actually, it's a bit of an investment for me. And if we get promoted, I'm probably going to sell the club on. Yeah, right. That's... Nobody's going to say. Nobody's going to say that. Now, I'm not saying he is. I, I don't think. He, I don't think that's why he is in it. Because I think with somebody with a passion for football and with a background like he has in football from a football family, you would think he he thinks it's just a good project at the right time for him. But you know, actions speak louder than words, and I, I think you know it. It will be significant to us. If he brings in somebody with a background and with a reputation who's done this before to say, go and run that club day to day, because we need somebody here in Sunderland. That we, right. we need somebody here in Sunderland doing this job on day to day. Okay, now the, he, he, might, he might meet Rodwell and think, yes, you're my guy, but I think it would make a big statement <laughs> if he was to go and bring in somebody tried and tested. I think he I probably just, knows some people who aren't. Jim Rodwell. I was going to say. I was just about to say. I think. I think what happens with Jim Rodwell is kind of our sort of gateway into barometer. It's yeah. It's like it's like. Is this a real change or not? And my my honest belief is that there will there will be, um, or maybe maybe I'm just being overly hopeful. But um, I just think. <laughs> Like it, it would be a remarkable coincidence if, if this guy comes in, he's got he's got a vision, he's got a plan, he's got the contacts we're told he has, and he decides that Jim Rodwell is the best man for the job. Um, I I honestly don't. I Jim honestly Rodwell don't might 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 fight his corner on that one, mind. He, 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 he might. He, he might. He, he, he might. He, he might meet him. And I would like to see him knocked out in the first round if he tried to do that because. I just I don't I don't see how someone who has like not exactly pulled up any trees at Notts County and Scarborough is now suddenly the person who's don't forget Boston and uh, Scunthorpe what is Scunthorpe sorry sorry yeah. <laughs> it was a different it was a, Scarborough get your fuck Chris yeah Boston went bust as well it's this beer pump I'm sorry yeah. um, but no I think I think that's the telling one to see what happens there. And I, I think, truthfully, um, the, the Speakman appointment looks like being, um, certainly have been at the behest of, of Louis Dreyfus. And I think if, he, if he's going to do the football side, you would expect someone is going to come in and do the other stuff. And to, to, to me, from my impression and understanding of what's gone on so far, like Rodwell's always been very much football focused he, he obviously he used to play and I think so I don't really see how he fits into the, the structure if, if Speakman's there as well I'd, I'd be very surprised if he's still there and I think the, you said they seem like a barometer like the problem we have is I think I think we all know that um, Nethan um, resigned over a year ago but he still appears to be privy to pretty much everything that goes on so it's going to be quite difficult to tell whether or not he's completely out of the loop, so to speak. Um, so I think Rodwell is the only, really, the only one who, um, 
from the outside looking in, we're going to be able to tell whether this is like a... Well, if you get any club statements slagging the fans off, we'll know. Well, <laughs> let's be honest, right? Like, I know I know it's, it's Kirill Louis-Dreyfus running the club, but his mother is, like, the richest woman in the world. Like, I'm sure she doesn't suffer fool gladly, you know what I mean? Yeah. If, if, she'll probably be thinking, who's this greasy prick? Like, let's be honest, <laughs> like, like, let's be honest, do you know what I mean? Like... But to, to, to like my the, mind. they are like like the, these people. The people who've been running the club are like people from the, again, the, from the, a lot of eighties theme. They are pe- they are like businessmen from the nineteen eighties. They it's are. Like a, a it's like a big deal. Up. It's like a big. It's like American Psycho, but like not as sexy. It's like that's what it's like. It's like these people who've like obsess over business cards and like what what other business cards other person's got, and it's it, that that is the vibe you get off them and. That's kind of reflected. It feels as though, like when they've been at the club, doing deals is like a thing, and it's like almost when you get to that critical point of the deal where you almost got it over the line, they always try and pinch a little bit more to try and almost assert themselves in a situation or like sort of make sure they know who really is the boss. And it'll be interesting to, to you know it'll be interesting to know how far this went on this occasion where. You know, Louis Dreyfus kind of whether he himself decided or he was advised, it was like this is like a good deal to buy Sunderland, but it's a bad deal on the terms that they wanted on because you you're you're not getting control a full control and interest in the football club, and it, it would be good for somebody if 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 it did happen that way that you know the current lot were put back in the box. Um, yeah. And we and we won out of it for a change because in previous in you know previous occasions. You know where they've tried to pinch a bit at the end. Um, it's backfired, and it's not only backfired for them, but it's backfired for us as well because we lost Josh Madger, we lost, we didn't get Lyle Taylor, um, things like that. And it's like, you know, there's there's lots of these little kind of incidences. I mean, what happened with the stadium sponsorship deal that was supposed to happen? You know, that was <coughs> going to bring revenue into the football club that just died on its ass. There's 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 a reason why, you know. In, well, and they, like, I don't want to get. I mean, we've probably been going on for ages anyway, so I don't want to mention FPP, but I just have. But um, <laughs> you know, you look at that deal, and like they they went about trying to get that what they wanted a different way, and not the way that was explained. In oh, they're investing in me. They're not investing in you, mate. Like you know, su- superheroes are people like Superman and Batman, and they're not insurance salesmen from Oxford. And like when when these people came in, they were built up to be these like superheroes, and they dined out on that, and they went around and got the pints and got the photographs, and they when we end and we're hailed as we're hailed as heroes for doing absolutely bot all, you know, and maybe they've just been you know found out by somebody who comes from a a, a lot of a, a lot richer stock than than well, they do. The, the inter- I think the. Inter- Thing brought up FPP there. I think the interesting thing is that was that ultimately was becoming that was like a noose around their necks because they knew that if they couldn't they couldn't find someone to buy the club, then ultimately FPP were going to get it for nothing because they were going to run out of money. They weren't going to be able to pay them back. So FPP get the club. Now in a way, look, I think like I don't like what you said there, Gareth. I don't really want to dwell on FPP. I, I think. 
I think what what happened a year ago was shameful, and I think that's why they should never be forgiven. I think it was a huge opportunity massive for the club. Miss, a massive missed opportunity. Oh yeah, it's, a, it's an absolutely huge opportunity. But if we accept that it's gone, I think the fact that look, I don't I don't know how much Kevin Jeffers has had to pay for whatever percentage of the club he's got, but the the chances are he's he. Well, he's almost certainly paid more than FPP were willing to pay at this stage, or you would assume they would have got the club. So I think ultimately he he'll have known that he couldn't just let them run out of money. In any other business, if you wanted to buy the business and you knew that the owners were running out of money, you'd go, "Well, I tell you what, I'll just wait and I'll pick it up for a pound at the end of the day." Sort of thing. Whereas in this instance, that wasn't an option because there was someone who already had a claim on it. So I think the fact that he's clearly gone. Look, I'm not. I'm not willing to let it go. Like I, want to. I want to buy it. And that's, we all. We know. We know what they're like. We know that that they wanted to make money out of this. So they, they will have gotten a deal that works for them. That would be. That would be why it looks like Methuen and Satori's shareholding hasn't changed. It's why we assume Donald's kept an element of shares. But I. I think, for us, if we if we take away our feelings about the outgoing majority owners. It's a good thing because it shows that Louis Dreyfus has gone, look, you know what it is? This is worth the investment. This is worth me getting into. I don't, I, I know we've said already, but I honestly can't believe that we'll be sat here a month from now and there'll be nothing that's changed, if you know what I mean. I'm, I'm almost certain that the moment he gets in the door, we're going we're gonna to see something that says to us, this is a change. This is a new direction. This is this is a this is not just a new owner in name. This is a new owner who's gonna do something different. And look, it might not work. It might not work. It might go disastrously wrong. <laughs> We've seen it happen before. We all thought Ellis Short was like the, the, the big ticket kind of thing. But at least there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. There's never a guarantee. But the, at the least only we know that somebody's the only, there. The only guarantee money gives you is safety, and that that yeah. that's at this stage is important. That is, you know, look is. at other look at other clubs in the in the top flight who've had huge investments <clears> for money. You know, it, it just it doesn't mean that you automatically just get into the Champions League because you've got loads of money. You that know, doesn't... we in, we had we had loads of money at one stage. We just yeah. spent it badly. Um, Burned it, burn it, didn't he? At a time, at a time when that was probably a time where, if we'd used our money well, we probably could have got ourselves into that top six because at that time, it was probably only really Chelsea who were, you know, banging the money in, and then Man City shortly afterwards, and they did it badly at the start, really, didn't they? Let's be honest. I mean. The, they didn't. Oh, yeah. It took them well, a while. The it took them well, a man, while. To... Man City needed. Man City needed the second takeover yeah, before they, they got the second right. takeover. Yeah, the first right. takeover didn't didn't go well, well at that's all. A, that's the thing, and that's why. But I think what to me anyway, a lot a lot of people I've spoken to, and I, I think we all agree in this group. Like one of the kind of reassuring things is the people's first reaction has not been to go. I'll oh, get in. We're absolutely loaded here. The first reaction has been get in thank god they are going and then it's been right let's see what the plan is like to me getting a sporting director in look it's not it's not it's not like unique it's not something not, nobody else is doing but based on where this football club's been for the last five years it's a step forward look lee johnson i know like i, I probably i'm gonna have to like tune out a bit when we get beat 
but because some of the things he says, it, it does make you laugh and it feels a little bit cliche, but you can tell he thinks very deeply about things and he and he, and he does his work and he does his research and look, he likes to play attack and football. We've, we've all been saying that's what we need in this division. So again, it's a, it's a step forward and I, I just, I think, we, like we say, you can't guarantee anything. It is pointless us saying right now, yeah, this is our ticket to the big time. It's going to be great, but we've got a bit of hope, and I and I don't think we've had that for for far too long. And it's it's been really difficult. It's been crap. Like we, I think we've we've talked about it. Like this this year has been rubbish for everyone. Football's meant to be an escape, and it, and it hasn't been. It it's not been enjoyable. All it's done is compounded the misery. So to have a little bit of hope, to have like the impression that the best interests of the club are once again going to be at the forefront of the owner's mind. I, that it's it's great, and I, I think we just have to wait and see. We'll have to see what happens. Sorry, Phil Gareth gone. <laughs> no, I was, just, I was just thinking when before we started recording, we were like, "Oh, trying to do forty-five minutes." Oh, we're well we past that. We were, that cover, we were trying to cover the um, the game on Saturday as well. Um, well, obviously, we haven't even talked about the COVID stuff, and we've been gone for about fifty minutes, so. Richard looks like he's going to kill himself. He really does. <laughs> it feels... You know when you walk into the pub and your mates are all talking about something else and you're just waiting for an in? Like, what are you talking about? Oh, we're talking about owners. And I'm just waiting for me in and it's, it's, it's gone... It's passed as if passed as by, to be honest. We keep I've trying had, to I've bring had a number in, of good points that I was going to make. It, but, you know... <laughs> I'm sitting there it's because we're all drinking With a face like Stuart Donald after he... Found out that Mark Campbell didn't have any money. <laughs> I think the best the best thing that the outgoing owners have done, apart from selling the club, is they changed the colour of the seats. And even then, they didn't do that. And if that's, yeah, we did. If well, that's I didn't like, do it, but yeah. If that's the kind of the hallmark of of their reign, well, it says everything, doesn't it? Well, it's a, it's, it's a window, isn't look it, good, Richard? Yeah, 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 it's yeah. a window, isn't it? In uh, their mentality. And they weren't banking uh, on the seats uh, being so visible <coughs> this season, but oh. they look great. Well, let's be fair. Match, we, the match we, day experience, that's something else, little as well, like not even, not even getting into transfer strategies and, and what you've got to do with the academy and all that stuff. The finer details like that need looking at, like the event side of it. Of course it is. I mean, I, I've been seeing this for, for years. When, when Short was owner... And chairman for years about looking at you know little things about how you can make um, the match day better. M- moving the away fans pitch side is a start, not behind one of the goal. Little things like that. Um, pers- personally, yeah. I know like, this. This is my opinion. This is very much my opinion. Not everybody agrees. Um, I know Richard's Richard's obsessed with leaving them up there and put a big net up in front of them. Yeah. I think Put yeah, I, I, I would I would separate the stands personally and give each each stand its own identity. I I don't think it's needed. It's required that you need to be able to move around the ground and have it so nondescript. Um, 
and and and, and Steven, that would start Steven as well. Steven wants a care job just to what, bring back the good old days. You're separating this. How are you doing that, Stephen? <laughs> are you taking the corners? I'm, I'm not right. I'm not going to. Maybe it's a conversation for another day. I've mentioned it before. I work at events. So that's my problem. I can, you know. I just uh, think I somebody that's needs your only to. Problem, to, but... to, to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, somebody, Steve, somebody, what, somebody what needs need, somebody needs a grip on it. What you what you get? <laughs> yeah. I think is a is a fair Stephen's point. rocking up tomorrow with a bulldozer at the stadium. I'm just taking a. Richard in these corners, darling. Don't worry about this. Wouldn't take that. This, just a big, the just a big, down. just a big creativity. I, that's the thing. I think, I think your point though, Stephen, it's like a fair one because let, let's be honest. Like again, when these guys first came in, look, they were they were going on podcasts and they were accepting, they were answering questions from all across the fan base, saying, "Can you do this? Can you do that?" And they were going, "Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. That's a good idea. Yeah, we'll look into that. We'll do." That. Nothing ever happened. Nothing ever came of it. And I think. Look, I don't, I don't expect any owner to actually come in and do everything on everyone's checklist. But the the big problem, like two and a half years ago, we felt really disconnected from the club. They recognised that. Let's be fair, they recognised that, and they came in, and they said, "Well, what we'll do is we'll put that connection back together." And like I, like I've been like a critic of them for the ages, but I, I said at the time, I said, "Look, they, they get it. They understand it. They want, they want to like join the fans back." back with the club and that they wanted to be a community thing now it all turned out to be a sham but that's why like right now it's really really difficult for fans to kind of get taken in again and i think i think it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna require a lot of patience on our part like whoever comes in like if like kirillary jefferson's come in like the manager the sporting director the things that need to change at the football club aren't quick fixes like we, truthfully, my my own opinion is we're pretty unlikely to go up this year. There's going to be people if that happens. There's going to be people in May who are really really pissed off that we've got a fourth season in League One. It's not going to be the fault of the people who are now in charge, and it require it requires patience on our part. But it's going to be it's going to be really incremental changes. It's going to be really small steps in order to to first of all turn it around and second of all win people's trust back. And I think. I think I think scepticism is like welcome and I think what all we need to see is that people are acting in the best interests of the club because for too long that hasn't been happening. Yeah. Shall we have a break and then come back and talk about what we can talk about in terms of football? <laughs> there. The break. It's like hmm, very much have a word. Well, uh Contract dictates we need to have a little break, Gareth. <laughs> Otherwise, we just we just plough through and do the last ten minutes. But we'll put a little split in. I agree. Can I get a Can I get a drink in the break? Yeah, I'm gonna get beer. I'm, I'm gonna go for a break then. Go on the break, okay. Stephen. Three, two, one, break. I'm Stephen Elliott, and you listen to the Wise Man Say podcast. So, did anybody get any decent clubber for Christmas? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's 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 the opportunity, the perfect opportunity to rectify that. Because if you get yourselves along the uh, from the terraces, you can get yourself ten percent off if you use the the, the code WMS ten. Get ten percent off ten percent off your basket for any of the amazing gear that they do. That, yeah, I agree, strongly agree. Um, yeah. And I will notify all of my family that they can use the code WMS ten in order to get ten percent off the purchase when they buy me Christmas presents for next year. And I know that you can do it now because the beauty of it is the you get all your Christmas money because I'm 37 and I still get Christmas money. <laughs> and you can spend it on stuff that you want rather than stuff that you 
you wanted three months ago and told your family about. Also, I would recommend, you know, the, the Mowbray jacket is fantastic. <clears throat> and I've actually had a lot of uh, compliments from family when I've dropped presents off at the door and stood two metres back wearing my From the Terraces Mowbray jacket. I mean, I know we're giving them a good plug, but I can't ever believe that you got a compliment on anything, Chris. So, no, I, I mean, you, will you know are that, stretching it a little bit. You will note that I said from family. <laughs> well, I, I know, but even then, I mean, I've been out with your dad when you've been there. Oh, yeah, when we've called you a finance in front out. of them, he's pissing himself. So, <laughs> like, he absolutely gets involved. He loves it. That's, so. that's been the one upside of this pandemic, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> The best part is I know he's listening to this. Yeah, right yeah, now. great. And he'll be laughing at um, all of the insults that we've leveled up. He's great, place. great, great company, your dad. I like yeah, him. He is, yeah, yeah. We'll just tell you to go and sit elsewhere. Yep, thank you very much. <laughs> Should we get back on the pod? Mickey, Mickey Loft was, um, was, was sporting some from the terraces stuff for Christmas, I noticed. So I hope I his family he, used yeah. I hope his family used the discount code. I think Mickey Loft, I think of all the people in the world who've used that discount code, I think Mickey Loft must have used it about 170 times. <laughs> or, you know. Because he has got he a lot of from the terraces gear. So, you know. So well, it's safe like from Mickey Loft, it's WMS 10. Save him a lot of money if he has used it that Fair many play. times. Yeah. Right. Um, not a lot to talk about in terms of football because um, the squad's been riddled <laughs> with, the, with the coronavirus um, and we've, we've, we've barely played. Um, so I think I, I just, it would be typical Sunderland for those. And again, if anyone's listening in 20, 30 years' time, they'll know how this season <laughs> panned out. Yeah. But it would be so typical of Sunderland feel like a promoted because they decided to play the Wimbledon game at home when yeah. they just didn't, just can't. And for whatever reason, we can speculate, and there's lots of rumours flying around around why the Sunderland weren't prepared to make that final decision to say, right, we can't play the game. The probability is it would have been fine if they just cancelled it. And yeah. they drew the game against a the side they should have beat. And you just kind of know that that's going to come back. I think some. Of, some I way. think some of the um, the criticism that was levelled at the club around that was a little bit harsh because, like, I know some people had theories about you know, well, you know, they don't want to get investigated because they get caught for breaking like COVID protocols. Yeah. That's the rumour, isn't it? And it's just like, well, if they're not getting reassurances from the EFL that. Because it's ambiguous, isn't it? It's like they could say, "Well, you you put you put out an eleven, so you didn't need to cancel the game." But do, do, do you think maybe the size of the clubs done done us here a little bit? Where were you like maybe going into them and, and maybe I, looking at this? Because yeah, I can't imagine. Exactly. Again, I'm generalising a bit, but I can't imagine Accrington Stanley's owners turned round and said, "Well, right, can you will just definitely be, turn can, around can, and say, I mean, exactly, well, well, can, we know. exactly." So <laughs> I, I can't I can't imagine these turn around and saying. Can you just give us the specifics and the processes and the procedures? He's, clubs like that would just turn around and say, I can't play, sorry. I think... And, 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 then, that, and then that's it. I was going to say, I, I think, think a lot of it would come from other clubs because a lot of the other clubs seem to have this opinion of, of Sunderland kind of having gold taps and kind of, you know... Yeah, exactly. They've, they've seen from his passion. A club like Sunderland struggling to field the teams. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it is the kind of inverse snobbery that you get from... from the other 23 clubs in the league that maybe Jim Rodwell foresaw 
a potential issue from the other clubs kind of saying well you, a big club like Sunderland shouldn't be calling games off you, yeah. can, re, you can raise yeah. a team I think, I think there's fair, definitely an element of that I think there's an element of that and I think to be fair I think there was just like so much ambiguity around it like let, let's be honest totally. I think we said at the time but we're, we're nine months into this why does the EFL not have a clear like clear guidance on on what constitutes um, being acceptable for um, for postponement, like it, I know the the theory has been that maybe we didn't do it because we did have enough players to fulfil fulfil the game. Surely, it's not that hard for the EFL to have some sort of guidance saying, well, if you've got I don't know if you've got five players out, that is that's a valid reason to postpone the game. I think yeah, I I I think you're right, Stephen. I think it would be very summoned if. Um, dropping points in that game proved to be enough to, to like to like the drilling like the Gillingham or Bristol Rovers game before yeah. the shutdown, which cost us well, a place to uh, the opportunity to compete in the playoffs <clears throat> last Go, year. Going back to the you know the the actual that <clears throat> Wimbledon game and you know the the, the COVID issue and that the, the the EFL protocols whatever, all three goalkeepers had it. Yeah. yeah. So that night. That night, two members of the squad at least, one of them played, one of them was on the bench and they both had COVID while they were playing. Well, a big, a big you know, problem it, was like it, the you know, it, But we, we, didn't have, we had to make that decision because they should take the decision out of a club's hands and say, look, we're looking at the, this information. You've, you've got eight people, eight, nine people here who could well have COVID, who can't play. You know, that's a that's a number that we have to take seriously and say, look, we're taking the decision out of your hands. Even if you want to play the game, you're not playing the game. Um, it's too dangerous. Um, and, you know, no, nobody knows the situation of the players' families. Nobody knows the situation of the AFC Wimbledon. You know, and when we're talking about two dip clubs here, we're talking about AFC Wimbledon, who, what, ten years ago, were, were probably playing. You know, it's me in league football, whatever it is. You know what I mean. So, we we don't know what the the players coming through that football club at at this level, their their backgrounds, their families, how much they're getting paid. But you know, even they, then, they, you know, even it, then, Gareth, it's and they they're taking that home. People. It's not like the Premier League where people are getting thirty forty grand a week to play. You know, you're talking about people who are probably earning what. You know, a decent wage, but at the same time, it's not it's not decent enough for them to be, you know, balancing that out and going well. You know, risking risking the lives of their families, you know, potentially to to play in that game. You know, I'm I'm not really um I'm not really like an advocate of any sort of type like outside of the whole debate about lockdown or whatever, which I don't really want to discuss on a podcast. But you know. I don't think there needs to be a circuit break. I just think there needs to, like I know that's been discussed in the Premier League. I just feel as though there needs to be testing regimens in at all just, levels of football in order to, in order to make sure it continues. If that if it's that important from a financial perspective, you know lateral flow testing that 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 should be available to these football clubs. You know if you're gonna if you're gonna if government aren't gonna intervene in in the, for example, so we're talking about. The Premier League have come out and and said we're going to continue. The government could stop them, but if they don't, now I'm 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 not saying that a footballer's 
a footballer should be vaccinated ahead of somebody who, you know, is working on a, a PI, a, a, an intensive care unit in a hospital or something like that. But at the same time, if if you're talking about, you know, the order of people who you're vaccinating, are you going to be saying once you finish with them, or were you saying the government aren't going to intervene and stop these footballers playing? And it's such a massive part of society in England. Should they not be saying, right? Well, these people need to be vaccinated primarily if we're going to if we're going to make if we're going to put them in a situation where they have to continue travelling up and down the country on a weekly basis and spreading potentially spreading the, this about because that's what's happened. Point, that's what's happened in the last three or four weeks. I think the point is like the, what you said there about the testing regimen. Like, like the the big feeling here is that EFL clubs aren't getting tested regularly. Like the Premier League. They test them. They did test them once a week, and I think I saw recently they're going to go twice a week now because because it's spreading so rapidly, and because we've had two games in the last couple of days which have had to be called off because of it. Now, the thing the thing with that is the play- on that on that point as well. Sorry, Chris, before you go on, sorry. That's okay. One of those games was on Amazon Prime. Now I'm now they get they've paid it like so whatever you want to. However, you want to frame it, they've paid a lot of money for that, for those games that they get, and they've lost one. Well, they lost yeah. two, didn't they? Yeah. So, no. I'm, and but it was more that obviously on that day there was only one game at that kickoff time. So obviously other 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 you know people could tune into the to the games, but on this occasion the Fulham Tottenham game that was the game and they've lost that game. Yeah. So they they're going to probably going to be asking questions in. Of course, we... yeah. And but but the thing is though, at least the thing is at least in the in the Premier League, it's kind of preemptive. Players are getting previously getting tested once a week. Now they're getting tested <coughs> twice a week because it's so prevalent. <coughs> now, the EFL, we know, we knew at the start of the season, but we certainly know now that there isn't a testing regimen there. It's basic. The the only reason that this was found prior to the EFC Wimbledon game was because one player, apparently Chris Maguire, but we don't know for definite, was shown symptoms. So we went and got a test, come back positive, and then other players went and got a test. Now, as you as we've just said there, there were players who played that game who it now appears were positive. Well, there was, th- there was 13 players who tested positive. Three of them were yeah. goalkeepers that we know. So, there could have been other positive tests, but there was yeah. at least 13. So, so we know that at some point two players that were involved in that game have tested positive and you look like whether we could go on and on about why we didn't cancel the game but the the root court the root problem here is the the governing bodies have failed football like you can't you can't tell me there's not enough money flowing around football for all 92 clubs to have regular tests and it goes back to not being able to finish the League One season last exactly. year as well. Exactly. There's, there's no, there's no way they couldn't have, have extended that out. And we're talking, we're not talking hindsight because we said it at the time. There's no, you know, before the actual decision was made, we, we we discussed it then. There was no reason they didn't, they couldn't have put on some sort of event where you say these X amount of clubs play who were still within a chance of promotion 10 well, or whatever it was and let's have a talk and people would have watched that as well he's a 10 team knockout tournament three teams to be promoted but it, and, it, and it extends into the lack of insight now I, I work for quite a big institution and every single thing was planned from minute one 
So when we had in any event that we had, okay, was plan a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, based on full access to everybody, everything open as best case scenario, and then worst case scenario, everybody's locked down, sitting in the house, what can we offer? And you had things in between. And football, it, it it's beyond belief they couldn't plan, not not even just in terms of the testing, but this season, like... But- yeah, you know, why, why, why the cups being played well, this year? Exactly. Yeah, why, why are the cups being played? Why are why is friendlies being played? Why are any cups being played this year? Let's be honest. Though, when, when it started, if you remember, the day, the, the it was the day before we were meant to play Blackpool. This was, it was like March thirteenth or something. And the Premier League, the EFL, they all came out and said, "No, no, the games are going to go ahead." The game, despite the fact everyone knew it was spreading rapidly, Mikel Arteta tested positive and everyone in football shit themselves and went oh hang on a minute as if as if like football exists in this sort of bubble separate from society where no one can get it and within 12 hours all of the games in the country were off essentially if you look at the back pages today back pages today on on new year's eve are leading on the fact that there's a covid chaos in the premier league because two games have been called off you look at league one it's it, it, that would be the episode. Seven games or something, wasn't it? Yes, it was it. Seven the amount, games. The amount of game games that have gone to it. But, but it's just, you're right. You're right. On the we've testing. lost. We've lost ours again. I mean, we've lost five Fleet, now. We, we, Fleetwood, Fleetwood's off now. Um, you know, you've had Andy Hold kind of making comments. You know, there's no way we're going to complete the season. Like. Complete the season in the current time frame. Yeah, you feel like it's you feel like it's starting already, don't you? Um, Where, like. What's our but I was looking at, I was looking into it and saying like, on the, on the ninth we could play. Of what I looked at, how sad is this? Before I did this, I kind of tried to <laughs> kind of go kind of go through it. But of the teams that I looked at, I probably looked at at, at least half of the division because um, it's FA Cup weekend the ninth. Um, we could play Rochdale, so we could potentially say to Rochdale, do you want to bring that game forward? But they've obviously just lost two games. To COVID themselves, the but is- would would Rochdale want to? Would they say, well, and go? You know, going back to you know the discussions we had before about people's perception of perception of Sunderland League One, maybe there's an attitude that we're not going to like help you out by giving you a game now because it'll be better for us to play you. In April, when you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, because you, you've 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 not played a game since the fifteenth of December, and th- this is the thing that this is what comes down to, and, and that's a hypothetical situation. We we don't know. We don't know if people are but playing politics that, within within the division the just where the games are supposed. Yeah. The point we just brought up about the cup games, yeah. to me, we've we've seen this. A lot of people have seen this at the start. Say, Why the hell are the cups still being played? If if it's essential it's to insane. get the league, it's insane. But, like like the EFL, like Gareth, I know you want us to win it before we get out of this league, and I understand that. <laughs> why the why on earth is it's that? All levels. The why? FA Cup shouldn't be getting played. Well, the league no, cup shouldn't be getting is, played. The, the EFL trophy, right? We've played four games in that competition so far. We've only played, they, 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 we've only they, played they seventeen should, in the league. So we've they should have been there. Yeah. 
who basically played a fifth of our season in that competition. Why? Why should have been able to preempt the games are going to get called off and and or the possibility they'll game even if they like I say plan A to plan D or whatever and plan A was like everything was great. It still should have been said well. It might not be, and there might be a second wave. Exactly. So what we need to do is cancel the cups, in case there's going to be a backup of rearranged league games. And I'm that, sorry, but that's not. But that's they tried not to front load like, the season, didn't they? Hmm. They're trying to front load the season, but, so we've had loads of games, not just general, yeah. well with the league cup, with with league games. Because if you look after February the first, there aren't many midweek games. So they front loaded the season. In the anticipation, yeah. you've, you've got the you've got the European Championships as well to think about in the summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we, I, guess, I guess you could argue in League One, we probably don't have to think about that. No, but I'm just talking about it. But it, the, the, I don't like hey, this, this Premier League being separate from everybody I've got else. For the, for it the should Euros. be. It should. This should be an overall thing I'm talking about. It should just no, be I, I the League Cup, the FA Cup, and then that that whatever poxy cup it is we play in now well, until we get a Wembley, and then it won't be poxy. It should have just all. It should have just been this until this pandemic is over, and we know what's happening. League games get these league seasons finished, and that's all it should have been. But at the exactly. end of the day, the season started. The season started on September the twelfth. Like previously, the league season has started on like August third or fourth. Like it started literally like five weeks beforehand. So why on earth have the thought? Yeah, okay, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll we'll cram in forty six games, but we'll also cram in all these cup games. Like, it's just and sorry, and and I and I know we've just made the joke about it not affecting us, but it does actually affect us. International breaks. Oh we'll 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 keep them as well. We'll we'll keep we'll have international friendlies where players are dotting across the world for meaningless games while there's a pandemic. Like it's just it I think like going full circle back to what was said about the Wimbledon game. Like I think it's fair if people are wondering why we played that game, but I think it it all comes back to the fact that the governance in football around this has been absolutely shocking. It's been well, the, so inadequate. The point that we we made a while back is that the way the way the league's governed is that seventy two clubs get a vote on on issues. Yeah. It, it shouldn't be like that. The you know there should have been gotcha. some kind of crisis group at the start of things to say right this is how it's going to be. You don't get a vote. This is how it's going to be. This is for the best. This is for the betterment of football and the wider football picture. So the Premier League should have been involved too. This whole project restart should have been thought through a lot better. Scrap the FA Cup, or at least play a smaller version of it. You know, scrap the, the League Cup. Just pause it for a year. We'll come back. It's not going to go away. You know, the League Cup's only been around for 40 years anyway, so it's not exactly some age-old institution that needs to be preserved. It's all right, man, you ditched just the take FA Cup a, for a year. So. Well, exactly, yeah. Just take, year. just take a bigger picture view of, of like... Of, of the situation is that probably you know they 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 couldn't have foresaw a second wave but they could certainly have legislated for it they could have certainly gone well if there's a second wave we've got to prepare for that and even even though they have front loaded the season there's still going to be a situation where there's so many games to claw back that's going to put us at a huge disadvantage if we well, lose think, any more games between now and now and the end of the season in hindsight we'll, we'll end up be playing we could end up playing three games a week i know it's in hindsight as well but like and and what you said, sorry, Chris, about the the start of the season. <clears throat> so they they were so cautious about getting people back during a a period where you know, and this was not this wasn't football league driven. I guess this was probably government driven as well. 
about getting people back into pre-season training um, to be ready to play football at, at lower levels. Um, and obviously we had to start the season in a month late um, in, in, in League One and, and League Two and, and beyond. Um, and now we're in a situation where, from a virus perspective, it's as bad as it has ever been yeah, or potentially worse. Yeah. And we're trying to cram well, football. Like, we're trying to cram football into this kind of calendar. And it's like, well, so we go back to August where we're all being like really cautious and we'll, we've got protocols and we've got bubbles and they're getting tested, blah, blah, blah. And now it's like, actually, we've got four or five months to complete a season. We've got games postponed and... We're not, there's no te- there's no like ex- extended test. There's a new strain of virus that's sixty seventy percent more transmissible. We've 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 got you know games being called off left right and centre. You just think well, it's, it's weird. Games. It's we everyone just seems to have. It's it's almost like it's not just in football. It's just in a, in a wider society thing. It's almost like people have become desensitised to what has happened in the last yeah. sort of nine months. And now we're at this stage where we're like, oh, well, we're not. We'll just, we'll just like get our heads down and carry on and pretend it doesn't exist. It's like, no, sorry, we've seen at all levels. Firstly, in the Premier League, what I would say is that the testing obviously works because they haven't lost lots of games. So what we need to be saying is, right, if we're that serious about it all, let let let's roll out this testing regimen. You know. The PFA get paid a lot of money, or, the, or, or footballers pay a lot of money into the PFA. The tests are widely available now. We've got lateral flow testing, you know, being rolled out in 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 key areas. There's no reason why, at least, because what what you got to think about as well is nothing's going to be definite, right? So obviously, the you know, if if you if you roll out to lateral flow testing in football clubs, League One below, people are saying, well, it's only, you know. This amount, there's obviously debates about the, the effectiveness of that kind of test, but at the same time, you're still minimising risk, and that's what it's about. At the moment, it's an it's just a flapping gate yeah. in the wind. Well, the, at the moment, you know, it, at least you can tighten it up a little bit if you if you introduce something of that ilk, and you could catch. If you caught fifty percent of it, it would be better than catching none of it at the moment when you're having say a footballer playing for. Sunderland or Portsmouth or something like that driving to a a test centre locally to get tested. I mean, well, that's, that's the mad it's, thing. It's absolutely mad. Team cre- coach the, pulling up. The cre- yeah, <laughs> two coaches. Well, the, COVID the, protocols, Richard. That's Sorry. a crazy thing. Like, I mean, I, I mean, what I found out was when that Everton Man City game got called off the other night. One of the complaints Everton had was that they had two thousand fans ready and waiting to come to the ground, and you're like. How on it? We're in a worse position. We're seemingly in a worse position now than we were when this all started, and yet the current the current laws allow fans into the ground. Like it's just barmy. But and I I think I think where you said there, Gareth, like about like the the testing. Like let's let's be honest here. Like we all we all oppose that um, project big picture. The where uh, which Jim Rodwell came out in favour of. Let's not let's never forget that. And that is one of the reasons I think we all agree that we hope he's no, not going to be involved with our club too much longer. Now, 
at the time that was put up as the only the only exit route for for clubs lower down the pyramid to get out of the financial crisis they were in lo and behold within six or seven weeks a bailout comes the money magically which a lot of people had said well the money's there there's just got to be the desire the money appeared because the clubs at the top know for a fact that the reason English football is is as attractive as it is is because of the pyramid below it that's why that's why English football is so strong that's why the support the, the the attendances are so so high it's because of the pyramid it's because of the culture of football in this country so no one can tell me that the money isn't there to provide testing throughout the leagues it is there's just these these clubs at the top and people in charge they need to be pushed there and pushed there and pushed there and the problem is there haven't been the EFL turned around and went, okay, yeah, we'll just crack on, we'll play, and nobody's getting tested. This this was inevitable. Well, Hull, I mean, this Hull, was, was inevitable. Hull was Hull were battered earlier in the season about about this, and it's like, well, but they're not being supported. It's like you're basically no, no, no. saying it's like why, it's all why it's all very what it should be taken out of their hands. And the 13, 13 players at our club have caught COVID. That shouldn't happen. That shouldn't. Then and, and the thing is. We're, for, we're hopefully fortunate that they're not going to see any long-term repercussions of it and no one's going to die from it. Well, look at, you look at, look Newcastle, at Newcastle. I mean, yeah, yeah, two, two I mean, players. They had 19 positive tests and you got like, you know, if, if you ever watch the Premier League or whatever and you see that's Sam Maximum, he's fit. No, you he know, is. He, he's an energetic, fit footballer. I mean, obviously, Stephen's a massive Newcastle fan and he watches <laughs> every week. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, you know he is. He's like he's yeah. he and is explosive. like he's he yeah. is fit and like, he's been flawed, but he's been flawed by and he, he is. And it's not and it's not it's not fair on look at it, like if if you went to work right and you were at risk of catching COVID and your workplace were putting no precautions in place, you'd be rightly furious. Now I'm not saying there'd be no precautions put in place, but the fact of the matter is, it took someone to have symptoms. For them to find out that it's rife throughout the yeah. squad, it's, 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 it shouldn't f- be like f- that. There's enough money in football for it not to be. It's like strange that. how it's strange how football can be so incompetently run. To be honest, compared to other organisations, but we could rant about this for ages. I think you know my food's due soon. Uh, <laughs> what do you get, Stephen? What kind of sloppy we've, again? We've ordered from an Italian restaurant. Mm, okay. Do you want to plug it? So, what you order? It's just well, it's the Cavalier, but they've got an Italian restaurant, uh, stroke. So it's a pub, stroke, a British yeah. pub, stroke Italian. Let's hope their attitude to um, COVID regulations doesn't match the name of the pub. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It's been, you know, they probably t- they've took that name on. It's been called that for multi generations, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. It used to be all the poachers' um, pockets, Stephen. Actually, uh, yeah, but, oh God, so. you're right. It's a great family pub to be fair. When it's sunny, there's uh, a massive bay garden with like kids' slides and stuff. Mm, it's very nice. You can't just anyway. move in and eradicate history, Stephen. You can't just pretend it was never called Porsche's Pocket just because you've moved in the last few years. Well, yeah, right. you know. So, Stephen, is that your last meal in your thirties? <sighs> Fuck off, Chris. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I was just asking. That's the name of the podcast, <laughs> right? Um, okay, it's actually the name of um, Charlie Methven Stewart Donald's new podcast as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> They've got T-shirts with that on them, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. I would um, buy one. Are they out? 
<laughs> if you use the cord um, WMS 10, you get uh, yeah. 10% off your I'd, basket. I'd buy one, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> right. I didn't, we, we're never going to bother, like, previewing the match. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we got called oh, off yeah, the Oh, yeah, we're playing, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't even be surprised if he announced it got called off the What I would so. say is, I know we talk about the, the overall thing, and I don't know, there's lots of opinions on, you know, whether football should be played, and for safety reasons, that's, that's absolutely fine, and then obviously the discussions about all oh, the fans not being in, which is awful, I mean, it's mad to think, like, I've driven past the stadium like a few times in the last few months, and I just think, like, can't believe I've not been in in such a long time. Like uh, it feels, I was thinking of that. it feels like so. It's such a like when you go every week for twenty five, twenty years, and then you you're not going. It's hopefully it's good though. Hopefully it regalvanizes everybody. But it, 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 it is just it is mad. You, you, you know, I I've thought about this a few times. You, you think people more people are going to want to go because it's not at least we're not stuck in that tradition anymore where I'm just yeah. going for the sake of it and, yeah. and you know God knows when that's going to be when we can actually all go and it's going to be a full stadium again. I think it's been harder over Christmas than at any other point yeah. in my opinion because I, I, associ- I associate yeah. Christmas with going that's to match it, no matter like the, in the new normal if well hopefully it won't last too long with the vaccine and everything but in that new normal you know the the game still put even though it's a stream and even though there's no fans in and all that, it still punctuates your week and you've still got something and you still set yeah. that time aside for the match. And yeah, it's not the same after it and it's not the same before it, but it's still there. And I've found that I have found that difficult having that like because when it came back it was like it's back. And like now it's gone again for the, it, it hasn't been gone for that long because if you're in the Premier League I remember like sometimes you'd get Saddled with like a three week break because of like the way like an international break would fall or whatever. I remember I think yeah. under under Allardyce I think we had like about a month off. I think we we played a game and then I think we yeah, we, we played Southampton. We played yeah. Southampton. Um, like after about it was nearly a month we had it was like between March and April. Um, so it does happen, but it's weird. It's like you get so used to this, the game, and now that you can't even watch it on the stream and that's why it's important and that's why the football authorities if people are talking about mental health and, and all that kind of thing and it's obviously there's a lot of people in the country who don't follow football and, and, and I'm sure the people who are interested in the activities that they do in those environments are pushing for the same thing but the authorities involved in football need to ensure that if they want football to continue they need to make sure that the players who are playing the game are protected and, and looked after because they've got families and they've, you know, just because they're a footballer doesn't mean they get paid thousands and thousands of pounds a week. Yeah, they're probably doing better than us, you know, playing in League One even. But at the same mm. time, they've got to make sure that, you know, these people are looked after if they're going to continue to play because, you know, they've got to be confident going out of that pitch that they're looked after. And as a result, yeah. we're going to enjoy even sitting at home we get to do these pods after Rory and Matt do the do the reactions and all that, and get to have a vent after the game. And it, it it it's not the same, but it's better than nothing at all. And what we don't want to see, I think, is is nothing at all because at the moment when you know after Christmas and like people have been starved of having that experience with their families, you know people always see you know like 
how important football is in their lives. So, you know, the, the authorities need to make sure that if they want them to keep playing, they can. And then we can all enjoy that in the in the in the in the modality that it is at the moment, and 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 you know come out of it at least, and, and the lads are you know getting well and and healthy at the club, and we are all still mourning about the fact that we've drawn you know one all at Northampton. <laughs> that will never yep. change. No, never no, change. Our look, we'll probably get the, the wrong vaccine. Is... Sorry, what was that, Richard? We'll, we'll, no, in our look, we'll, the players will get the bad vaccine, and Will Greg <laughs> gets like gigantitis. Or will Greg will get a vaccine that'll actually mean like prove a vaccine doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, but the good, the good thing is, we're yeah. hopefully we hopefully we found a case in the northeast of England that proves the um, the coronavirus mutation has exceeded anything we can do about, and it. it's Mr. W. Gulick, um, if you're a Google fan, um, and he and it, he's basically ruined the coronavirus vaccine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but I think I think no. to be fair, though, Gareth, what you say that I think the good thing is, and this is hopefully ending on a kind of hopeful note is we can in the new year we can actually go back to just talking about what happens on the pitch that i think that that's my new year's resolution i will i will definitely ruin it by the second of january yeah, but... I, I, yeah I, just, I just hope i just hope we you know i hope we get back in before just keep thinking season, about the, whether, the, whether that's the, realistic or not the pint the the pints before the game when we get all got to go back <clears> and you know, when we Chris all get to see each other again. And the first Chris reaction Dixie's pod, beer pump to the match. Yeah, Chris, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the first goal that was score and the first time Louis Dreyfus is sitting in his in his seat in the at the sure. ground and all that kind of thing. We've got that we've it's not now and we know what the atmosphere would be like now if it was happening, but it's not now, but it will happen. And then when we when we get there, just make sure that, you know, we all Just wait until we're all in the pool. Exactly. Imagine the pints in the Pomo. Yeah, imagine, <laughs> imagine, imagine the, the last minute winner that will Griggle score. It's a seal of promotion for Sunderland, and we'll all go in the pub afterwards, and we'll be absolutely battered. Think about yeah. that. We'll think about that. Have That's a good a New, new Year. Why are you thinking about that? Yeah. Happy birthday, Stephen. Happy yeah, birthday, Stephen. Stephen. More important. Happy New Tier. Loads of good discussed. Happy New Tier. <laughs> Loads of could have discussed. Do you know what? Just a final thought, and I don't want a discussion because I need to go. I've been getting the eyes already. Um, <laughs> don't know what more doing as well as he is a burrow. Lee Johnson would have loved him as a player because he's all about pace up front and stuff. Never mind. We're not, I don't want any of your opinions on that. I don't want any of your opinions. How can you end on that? We are ending on that. That was the most think about, well, Sunderland, that, the most that, that, thing of all think time. Think about how much Lee Johnson would have loved Dungle Mott. You know that bottle of right. blood orange gin you were on about before the pod? I haven't opened it yet. Have you just inhaled it? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to give it a good go tonight, I'll be honest. <laughs> going to give it a good go. Right, I do have a good agree. new year. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening, as always. And let's just hope things get better soon. On and off the pitch. Thanks for listening.